Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 29. I'm back for my seven-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas, and I wanted to share with you my experience on board this newly refurbished ship this week. We'll talk about what I did on board, the ports we visited, and why you might want to go on a cruise here, too. Here we go. I have to say that my seven-night Western Caribbean cruise on Navigator of the Seas was a really great time, and there's so much I want to talk about and so little time, so let's try to get as much in as I can. This cruise was sailing out of Galveston, Texas. I flew in the night before, stayed at the Galveston Beach Hotel. Great resort. We got to Galveston probably about 2 o'clock in the afternoon or so. Had time to unpack. There was really no one in the hotel, not very few people. In fact, February in Galveston is very much the off-season, so we got there. And didn't do a whole lot, just kind of sat around, walked around a little bit, the hotel, not much. Next day, ready for our cruise, except it's not there. That's right, Navigator of the Seas was actually stuck out in the harbor of Galveston because the port was closed due to fog. Of course, as you know, most of the times the ship gets in about mm, 6, 7 a.m., maybe even earlier, and the people that are on board that old cruise get off about you know 8, 9 o'clock or so, and you can start getting on board the ship anywhere from between maybe 10, 30, 11 o'clock, or even as late as noon. The reality was the ship didn't wasn't there. The fog was unfortunately closed the port. Not much anybody could do, and they just had to sit there. So hours went by, and really by about 9 o'clock, we got our first automated call from Royal Caribbean to their credit. It was letting us know that there was going to be a delay, and they would know more information later. We got about an automated call every two hours, which I thought was a good pace, letting us know what was going on. Long story short, we were able to get on the ship finally. The ship came into port about 4 o'clock. We were able to get on the ship about 6 o'clock. I get to give credit to Royal Caribbean because they turned around the ship in record time getting people off there since we got on board again we probably stepped on foot on the ship i'd say about seven o'clock and our our room was ready there were restaurants open it was they were doing the really the best they could with a really terrible situation we got on board and the ship was supposed to leave but it didn't again because of the fog basically the ship got in through a little window of opportunity but the fog kept us in port unfortunately until the very next day and right at 8 a.m about a, maybe a minute or two before the captain was able to leave the port and we were able to get on our way. Getting on Navigator of the Seas, the first thing you have to notice is that this ship is, of course, recently refurbished. Royal Caribbean has been refurbishing all the ships in its fleet over the last couple of years, and now it is Navigator of the Seas' turn. And Navigator of the Seas, as you may know from our preview episode we did a couple of weeks ago, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that. So maybe you know if, if you haven't listened to that one, I would actually recommend pausing this podcast, going back to that first one to listen about the changes and my expectations, and then come back to this one. And, of course, you get two episodes in one day. What's better than that, right? (laughs) Anyway, the changes to the ship were really what I was mostly interested in and what I was really focusing on. And as soon as you stepped on foot on board, you knew that this was really not only just a refurbished ship, but it almost felt like a brand new ship. And that's something I kept on saying over and over and over again. It felt like a new ship. There was the obvious of it smelled like a new ship. The carpets were completely all redone, so it smelled like new carpeting. The colors and paint everywhere was brand new. A lot of the furniture was brand new, or at least reupholstered. It was very impressive, I have to say. I'm not sure what I was expecting in terms of how new the ship was going to look, but again, to me, I having been on a couple of different ships recently, and very, again, Jewel of the Seas in September of last year, Freedom of the Seas in February of last year. I mean, these are ships in various stages of age. This ship on Navigator of the Seas, it seems so much newer than that. It just seemed like it was like a ship that came off the, you know, maybe this is the second cruise it's ever had, not just the second cruise since refurbishment. So we explored a lot of what there was on board, starting with the Royal Promenade, because that's probably the first place I think we went, and you saw the new lighting that was there. You would go to the lounges, because of course you're going to the 
mustard drill, and that was in the new it was renamed Star Lounge, and that had brand new furniture in there, very, very impressive. And you know, just everything about the ship reeked of newness, and I think that's great. It really struck me in, in you know, Royal Caribbean likes to say that it breathes new life into these ships by doing this, and I could not agree more. It's the best way of putting it because it really feels like a new ship. And I probably said that already four times on this podcast, but that's really the best way to describe it. So let's talk about my stateroom, which was the Family Ocean View stateroom. This stateroom was massive. I mean, just giant. And we were thinking the only way we could have gotten a stateroom this large otherwise was we would have had to have booked a suite. I mean, it was just huge. And for just the three of us, it was great. You walk into the room, immediately to your left is a kid's room. There's a bunk bed there. So I'm assuming kids are probably going to be sleeping there. And then opposite that is, of course, the restroom. But then straight ahead of you, you have a sofa, two chairs, two ottomans. You have, of course, beyond that, the bedroom. And there's just a huge amount of space. There's also two porthole windows that face out towards the front of the ship. We were in cabin 6500, so we were all the way forward. And it was just a massive amount of size. I mean, we never had this much space. We've never had such a easy time packing, unpacking rather, and, and leaving, you know, all our stuff around and being able to put the suitcases in a place. We never had so much space in a cabin before. It's amazing. It was really, for that alone, totally worth it. The thing with the cabin, the downside is, and anyone who stayed in a cabin all the way forward or even all the way aft, I think, will probably tell you, you're going to feel more motion. I freely admit I'm probably more sensitive to it than other people. I don't take the patch or I don't take any pills or anything like that. But for whatever reason, I don't know why, I really can't explain it. Whenever there's a lot of motion, it, it just bothers me. It doesn't make me sick. It doesn't make me ill or anything like that. It just bugs me. Like I notice it and I harp on it. It's something I can't like ignore. It's great for sleeping, by the way. I love motion for sleeping. I don't love motion when I'm just sitting around and trying to, I don't know, watch TV or, or write my blog post or whatever I'm doing in the room. And it was interesting because I would be elsewhere in the ship. Like I'd be in the Royal Promenade. I would be in the dining room. I would be in the theater. I'd be anywhere else on the ship. And I wouldn't feel the motion nearly as much as I would back in the room. So something to consider forward facing cabins, especially, especially cabs all the way forward. You're going to feel more motion. So if you are sensitive to it, if you do get easily seasick, it's probably not a great idea, but Otherwise, if you don't care or if you're going on a port-intensive itinerary, then it might not be a bad idea. Now, on board, we sampled as much of the new stuff that the ship had to offer. So let's start with the specialty restaurants because I think that's the first and foremost the thing that everyone thinks about. The specialty restaurants on board, there were four specialty restaurants, one of which existed and got an update, and the other three are brand new. So we'll start with Chops Grill. Chops, of course, existed before, but it got a brand new menu. And this menu is actually going to be, if it's successful rolled out to the rest of the fleet in some sort of fashion. Maybe I'm not sure if we want all at once or, you know, here and there, but the idea is, and everyone I've talked to at Royal Caribbean has said, if it does well enough, they'll push it out there to the rest of the fleet. Anyway, basically the big change, a lot of stuff is very much the same, but the big change is they've added dry aged steaks. And I guess I'm not one of these people, but if you're a steak fanatic, if you go to the steak houses these days, the big trend is dry aged steaks, which is supposed to make the flavor even better. And Royal Caribbean has made a new effort to uh, include that. It's kind of an interesting dichotomy because on the one hand, you get really some really good tasting steak. On the other hand, you have to pay extra for these dry aged steaks. So whereas you're paying $35 just to go to Chops, you're paying an additional $18 to $19, depending on which steak you choose, for those dry aged steaks. Now, let me say, you can still order regular old steaks, you know, your New York Strip, your Porterhouse, your Filet Mignon, and they do not cost extra. They're included in your in the cost of eating at Chops. But of course, the dry aged steaks are what 
is really brand new about this menu. I tried it because, of course, you know, I have to be faithful to all of you. Try it for the blog, right? <laughs> so I told my wife anyway. I'm one of those people, again, I really can't tell the difference, I'll be honest, between a $20 steak and a $50 steak. I just can't. I'm not, I don't know. They all taste great to me. I thought it was very, very good. Uh, I ate it all. So I guess that's a good indication. I thought it tasted really good. So again, I'm not a steak expert. But it's something to consider, and if you are looking for dry-aged steaks, because maybe you do like to go out for steaks, this might be something for you to try. Just keep in mind there's an additional cost to it. Otherwise, Chops was great. The menu was about as consistent, and that's the thing. Consistent is really the best word I can use to describe Chops. It's always a consistent experience and very, very good. So again, thumbs up for for Chops there as well. And they were there on a busy night. We were there on, on Valentine's Day, and they were slammed. And the service was a little off, not not terrible. I would say, you know, if, if the service is usually like a nine or a ten, this was like an eight or a nine. You know what I mean? Like you can notice a little bit of a slowdown, but it was all right. We enjoyed ourselves, took our time, no problems at all. Next, we ate at, and again, it's not really next in chronological order, just next in my mind. We had a Giovanni's table, which is new, and that's, of course, it's right across from Chops Grill. We ate there for a lunch, and Giovanni's was actually the only restaurant we ate at where there was a really no one there. I think we got in there, we were the only people there. It was a 12.30 reservation, and I think when we left, there were maybe one or two other tables there. Anyway, Giovanni's is family-style Italian food. It's your basic, fun Italian food, you know, your, your various pastas. There's nothing adventurous here. I liked it. I felt the lasagna was very great. The meatballs of which they hang their hat on was good. It's veal. I'm not my favorite kind of meat, especially for meatballs. I tried it because I figured, well, that's what they're all about, so I'll try it. Not bad. The salads were very good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, look, and the other thing is, for lunch, Giovanni's table only costs like $15. It's really nothing. So if you're looking for any, of course, you can order as much food as you'd like there. So if you're looking for an option that's a little different for lunch, Giovanni's table might be a great choice for you. Now, going beyond that, you also have another new restaurant, which is Azumi. Now, Azumi is a sushi restaurant that was added to deck 14 of the ship. And Azumi offers sushi for lunch and dinner. Now, I only ate there for lunch. The lunch menu only offers sushi, whereas the dinner menu offers sushi and other Japanese food items. Now, I had sampled Azumi quite a bit on my Oasis of the Seas cruise a couple of years ago. So I kind of had a background going to it. The other interesting thing about the lunch option is that it don't, does not have any specials, like there's no specials. It's just the menu, the fixed menu, that's it. Now, the interesting thing also about this is they've dropped the cover charge for Zoomy. There is no more. There used to be a nominal charge, like five bucks or something like that. No more. You just pay whatever you order. The interesting thing was I booked Izumi online on RoyalCaribbean.com, and they charged me, I think, $10 a person for it. So keep in mind that even though you're paying a cover charge for booking it online, that amount that you book, so if, let's say we had three people going, so we had $30, that $30 went towards the cost of whatever you order. So I don't know why they do it. I mean, it seems kind of silly to have a cover charge for a restaurant that doesn't have a cover charge, but I'm guessing they're doing it just to make sure people aren't just you know willy-nilly making reservations. Anyway, sushi was pretty much the same experience I had on Oasis. Some rolls were better than others. Most of the rolls I thought were very well-priced. There are some other rolls, if you look at the menu, that especially for dinner, they're like much higher in price. I guess it depends what you're interested in. If you're cool with just a, you know your basic tuna roll and maybe a spider roll or something like that, then it's great. But again, sushi is sushi. I'm sure I'm not telling any sushi fans out there that sushi can be expensive, but it's the only option at sea. And compared to the sushi I've had in the Windjamer and other ships, this is far <laughs> much, 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 much better. So I think the only roll I had that I didn't love was actually the regular tuna roll because I felt it was a very small. Then again, it only cost like I think five ninety five, so 
kind of a trade-off there. But go for the more adventurous roles, and I think you'll be okay with that. And it still includes the the complimentary edamame miso soup, so hard to go wrong with that. Next, we have Sabor Modern Mexican, and my friends, I'll put a link in the show notes to the uh, review that I posted about this actually yesterday on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Sabor, I'm going to say, I'm going to just make this very simple for you to understand. Sabor was the best meal I've had on a Royal Caribbean ship, period. That's how good it was. I was going in with, I didn't know what it kind of expectations. I, you know, the people online were sort of complaining about it to some extent, saying, you know, $25, how do you justify that kind of cost? It's Mexican food. We've all had Mexican food before. How much, you know, what makes modern Mexican? I don't know. I was going in there as blank of a slate as I can, and I was totally impressed. Freshness and quality is really what this was. In fact, Sabor was packed every night we were there. I was talking to the wait staff. They were saying that in the just short, two short cruises that Sabor has been open, they've been busy every single night. And I think that says a lot about the quality of the food there. So anyway, you get there. One of the first things you're going to get is fresh made guacamole at your table. There's a waiter brings around a cart. Assembles it for you, explains it to you. It's very impressive, I have to say, and the food tastes even better. I'm going to say this was the best guacamole we've ever had. My wife is the guacamole expert. She said she agreed with me. In fact, we actually had guacamole the next day in Mexico, and she said, all things considered, she'd rather have had the guacamole from Sabor if she could have a choice. So that says a lot, I think. Now, on top of that, they also have, if you if you choose to pay for it, of course, margaritas that they can make for you at the table. We did that, of course, for the blog, for research, right? We have to do that for research. So we had no choice but to order margaritas and try that. They actually have two that they make at the table. The others they make in the back or what have you. Anyway, very, very good and very, very strong. If you're looking for a drink to make your evening go a whole lot better, get one of these bad boys and you'll be pretty good. There's also freshly made salsa, and the guacamole and the salsa are complimentary. The margaritas are not, unfortunately, but they are very, very good. And, of course, to get to the food, everything was really, I thought, it, again, it tasted fresh. It tasted great. And, again, it was one of the best meals I've ever had on a Royal Caribbean cruise. And that says a lot because, overall, it's got to do a whole lot to impress me like that. And I just think it's a great choice and something you should absolutely try before you make any decisions on whether or not you think it's worth it. Do I think it's worth it? Absolutely. Did I get $25 worth of food? Absolutely. And I think it's one of the best Mexican meals I've ever had. It's not your typical Mexican food, although there are tacos and burritos and quesadillas on there. But again, ask your waiter. I, that's what I did. I kind of went in there saying, you know, what should I order? And the waiter directed me to a couple different dishes that I should try, like the red snapper ceviche and the empanadas that I tried and even the chocolate banana empanadas for dessert. I was on an empanada kick, evidently. And they were all so, so good. And we were eating there actually with a large group, and the large group tried a lot of different other foods as well. Everyone was really impressed by this, the food overall, and I got to say, it's one of the best restaurants. Just like the Chops menu, I, Sabor is, if it does well, it will be rolled out to other ships as well. And I think this is really Real Caribbean's answer to offering Mexican. Because as we know, Rita's Cantina, which is available on first on Alert of the Season, it's offered on a couple other ships as well, isn't exactly the world's best Mexican food by any means. It's just a casual kind of Mexican place. This, Sabor, is the kind of signature Mexican restaurant that Royal Caribbean, I think, hopes is going to be rolled out to other ships as well. Now, we also tried, actually, one night on a whim, Johnny Rockets. And if you may remember, I've written a blog post about this on my Freedom of the Seas experience. I've not really been a fan of Johnny Rockets on Royal Caribbean ships lately because I always felt like the quality just wasn't there. Anyway, went there late night, which is always a good sign, to Johnny Rockets, had a burger, had the fries, had the onion rings, and you know what? It was actually really, really good. I was 
totally impressed by it and, and kind of surprised actually because I was totally expecting this more of the same. Not the case here. I felt like the food was much more freshly prepared. In fact, it was one of the best burgers I had all week anywhere. So I think that really says a whole lot about the quality. And maybe the Johnny Rockets experience is something that varies from ship to ship. So on Navigator of the Seas, I give a big thumbs up to Johnny Rockets. Now, on top of that, I also had a chance to check out the Virtual Balconies. Because, of course, Virtual Balconies debuted here on Navigator of the Seas. And as you probably know... The virtual balconies are a test, really, because they're going to be rolled out to Quantum of the Seas. It's one of the big things Quantum of the Seas is going to have. I saw them for myself. I got to say, it's very impressive. In fact, the quality of video and the technology behind it is amazing. I actually managed to talk to the developers of the new virtual balconies, and I'll have an interview with them that I'm going to post on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, hopefully this week, if not next week at the latest. And it's really an impressive technology. It shows, right now there are two views, front and back so you can see what's ahead of the ship and what's behind the ship and there's a lot of thought that goes into that they did hint though that this is not what we see today is not the end result of what virtual balconies will be meaning there is something else coming with virtual balconies some other option feature something i couldn't get what it was i tried i tried buying them alcohol i tried doing everything i could to get the information out of them they just wouldn't tell me, but it's something I think we should be looking forward to because it's going to be something in beyond just the virtual balcony showing you front and back. They're going to have something else to them, but I got to say it's very impressive and being in, a, in an inside cabin, I think the appeal really is that you have something else to look at. It's not just a small dark cabin. Having the virtual balcony there really adds a little uh, je ne sais quoi. It adds a little something to your experience there. And look, it's just cool to be able to, you know, you're sitting in bed and see what's going on outside, right? If you're in port, it'll show you what's in port. If you're out at sea, because we were on a sea day, it'll show you what the seas look like. And in fact, one of the times I think a dolphin jumped through, uh, that was not planned, but they told us, oh, there you go. There's a good reason to talk about it. But you never know. It's just a nice thing to have. It's like having music on in your room, except this time you have the virtual balcony and there, are, there is sound. It's a pretty impressive experience, I have to say. And if you're looking for a cruise, you know, and if you're considering an inside cabin versus a virtual balcony, I'd go for the virtual balcony because it just gives you so much more. In fact, the real question is, would you book a virtual balcony or an ocean view stateroom? That's a good question. Maybe the size of the room may dictate otherwise, but all things being equal, I might go for the virtual balcony because it's just, it's an impressive experience. You have to see it for yourself. I'll post a link in our show notes to the video that I have of it, but it's something that I think needs to be seen to, to really understand so to speak now beyond that there was a lot more that's new on the ship and i really don't have time unfortunately to dive into every single detail as much as i'd like some of the other highlights that were really cool the r bar which is added replacing the champagne bar on deck five my new favorite place to go for drinks anytime but definitely before dinner it was just i love it the thing to do go to our bar go to the bartender and tell him or her this is what i'm in the mood for you 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 like Midori, you like tequila, you're in the mood for something with cranberry. Regardless of what it is, tell them what you want. They'll make the drink for you. And that's really the cool thing about our bar. It's a, it has great atmosphere. The seats, the retro look that they have there. Everything about our bar is just really nice. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed my time there. It was something where we always went for just to kill time, you know, to be somewhere to relax. I love it. So my new favorite place. The other thing that's kind of new and interesting is the photo galleries, you may know that if you've been on, say, the Oasis-class ships, that you can now swipe your CPAS card and kind of find all your photos that way. They've kind of gone the next step forward, which is to use iPads. And you can go to – and there's actually also some larger LCD screens that will do the same thing. But you swipe your card, 
and there's dedicated iPads there, and you can go through your photos, pick which ones you want, organize it by, hmm, where was the photos I took on my day in Roatan? Okay, let me click there. Oh, there they are. Okay. It's really interesting. A very fun way of finding your photos, and a lot easier, certainly, than browsing the old stacks of printed photos, and a lot less waste. So let's talk about the ports I visited. Roatan, Belize, and Cozumel. I'll start with Roatan. Of course, that was the order we went in. Roatan, my first time there. Beautiful island. We actually went to the east side of the island because the west side of the island has a lot more crowds there. The reality is that it's so popular. It's probably, arguably, it is more beautiful, but I didn't want to be a sardine on the beach. So I went to the east. I went to Parrot Tree. It was something that our driver recommended. It was beautiful. It's basically a little bay that I'm assuming is man-made kind of that that connects to the ocean and in that bay you have palapas you have chairs you have actually ocean couches you can sit on beautiful and just wonderfully built it is a great place for my daughter especially and kids in general someone who doesn't like waves there are no waves it's just like that little inlet bay whatever you want to call it and it was it was just one of the best days i fell asleep there and which is a trend that continued every single port that we did but it was just a lot of fun and the cost, by the way, for Parrot Tree was only $15 per adult. They did not charge us for our kid. So 30 bucks. And there is also bar service available. There's Wi-Fi at the bar. It's hard to beat that kind of setup. Belize. Okay, Belize was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Weather was a little iffy. It was cloudy for the most of the morning and the early afternoon, but it cleared up. No rain at all. The thing is, of course, it's a tender port. My thing was we got there exactly one hour before tendering began, and we were the second person in line, which was great. We had no problems, got on the first tender out there, so and we did not book our excursion through Royal Caribbean. So if you're looking to get on those tenders and you're not booking an excursion, regardless, even, even if you did, just get yourselves early. I would say anywhere from 60 to 45 minutes is a great amount of time because beyond that, the line started to build very, very quickly. And before you knew it, it was over by the – I think it last I heard before we got on the – tender it was over by the ice skating rink in studio b so it's a long line anyway get to bullies we didn't actually go outside the port facility which i know is like a faux pas of mine but uh, we we wanted to do the excursion and we were there early anyway the port facility is nice it's small nothing special there's a couple bars over there that offer wi-fi it's nice that's all i can say about it we did the excursion we went to goff's k which is an island that requires a, another tender right actually this tender was more of a motorboat like a speedboat Took us about 30 minutes to get there. When we, and the, and the ride was fine. Fun, actually. They offered you basically drinks along the way. You, you could get water. You could get rum punch and many people indulged in said rum punch. Anyway, get to this island, Goff's K. Goff's K is basically, it's an atoll. It's, it's a coral thing in the middle of the ocean and, and there's sand on top, a couple of trees. It, it's minimalist, but it's a lot of fun. Now the real thing to do here is to go snorkeling and a lot of people, it's included in the fair. We did not choose to do that because, again, I have a three-year-old daughter who can't swim or, and, or snorkel for that matter. So we decided, you know, we're just going to stay out on the beach, which was fine, completely optional. And, you know, the beauty of it is that it's a, it's a great island. It's beautiful. It's in the middle of the ocean. And it's, it's very serene. It's very Gilligan's Island without being stuck there kind of a feel. You can rent chairs there. There's a little bit of food available. There's certainly drinks available for you to, to purchase as well. It was a fun day. Once again, I fell asleep, and uh, not only did I fall asleep, I fell asleep without putting on any sunscreen beforehand, and I suffered for it the rest of the cruise. So note to self, always put sunscreen on before you fall asleep on a beach. Anyway, great excursion. I thought it was it's great for especially for people who just want to get away from it and just have a nice beach day. 
Hard to go wrong with GraphSky. Again, weather permitting, because the sun did come out eventually, and then it was just beautiful. Great water, very sandy. There's some shells around. You can't exactly walk around barefoot without looking where you're going, but still a lot of fun. Lastly was Cozumel, and Cozumel was a great port. I love Cozumel. I'm a big fan of it. I've been there many, many times. This time, we kind of just walked around, meandered. I have a new rule about Cozumel, by the way, that I'm instituting for my family. Maybe you want to do it for you as well. Don't eat anything before you get to Cozumel. Go hungry because there's so much great street food in Cozumel that I just – I wish I had not eaten at the Air earlier that morning because there was so much to offer. There was bakeries and little shops. Anyway, a lot to do. So we walked around. We ate a lot. We went to a chocolate restaurant, Chocolateria, that was actually operated by a couple of American expats, and it was some of the best chocolate we ever had. We went to one of my favorite restaurants in Cozumel, like my favorite restaurant, the Comidas Caseras Tonita, which is a great, authentic Mexican restaurant run by a couple of women who speak absolutely no English. Great food. Had such a good time on there, and and the food was, again, so, so good. And we did a little bit of shopping. We bought this. We bought that. Knickknacks here and there. It's a lot of fun just to walk around the town, and that's what I really love about Cozumel. There's just... There's so much to do. You know, you could do that or you go to the beach or you go snorkeling or you could take the ferry over to Playa del Carmen and go do whatever it is there is to do in Playa del Carmen. There's a lot to do on Cozumel. And I just love exploring the island little bits by little bits. So walking around is great. Now we're running short on time here, so I only have time for a little more things. I want to talk about Adventure Ocean because this is my first time, firsthand experience using it because my daughter went there and she absolutely loved it. I mean, when I say loved it, I mean every time we went to go get her, she she was crying because she didn't want to leave. She loved her time there so much. It was, it got to the point where she was there from when they opened to when they closed and loved every single minute of it. And for us as parents, it was great because for one thing, for my daughter, it's great. She gets interaction with some, meet some new people, which she absolutely loves. She doesn't get enough of that at home. And the other flip side of it, my wife and I got time to do a lot more on our own. We got a chance to sit by the pool. We got a chance to go eat at restaurants. We got a chance to explore the ship. It was really the best thing that could have happened. And honestly, I cannot imagine what our cruise would have been like had we not had Adventure Ocean to our advantage. So kudos to the facility. It got upgraded as well as part of the refurbishment. I was talking with the staff there. They're a great bunch of people. I, I just can't say enough about Adventure Ocean. If you've got kids and you're thinking about going to Royal Caribbean, the Adventure Ocean program is wonderful and something to definitely consider. So overall, what did I think about Navigator of the Seas? Should you go on Navigator of the Seas? And what else is there? Navigator of the Seas is a great ship, and I really love it. The Port of Galveston, maybe not the best port in the whole wide world, but it's a great little port. I, I kind of consider it maybe a, a mini Key West. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Regardless, it's a great little port, and the ship is even better. I mean, the ship is worth going to, and I got to say, if you're a fan of Royal Caribbean cruising and you want to experience the Voyager-class ship, this is the ship to go on, Navigator of the Seas. We don't know what's going to be in store for the other ex- Voyager-class ships, because Adventure of the Seas is next, but that's later on this year, the end of the year, in fact. Regardless, I think because of all the stuff they put on Navigator of the Seas, it's made it a brand new ship. To me, it's like it's like Royal Caribbean's launching two ships this year, Quantum of the Seas and Navigator of the Seas. It's really done so much, and I cannot understate what a difference it's made. I had, and I was thinking about it afterwards, how does this cruise rank in my grand scheme of things? I'm going to say it's my second best cruise I've ever taken. The only other cruise that was better was Mariner of the Seas, and that was my honeymoon cruise, and I think that just stands out because it's for sentimental reasons. But it's among the best cruises I've ever taken, and I think that says a lot about the staff. It says a lot about the onboard amenities, and it says a lot about the experience you get on there. 
the itinerary is not bad, and they also actually offer a different itinerary that sails to like Falmouth and Grand Cayman as well. So something to consider if you've never been there or prefer to go there. I think really the highlight again, Navigator of the Seas, we had three sea days, and honestly, I always had something to do. I love the fact that some of the restaurants were open for lunch, and there was really a lot going on. I didn't even do nearly as much as I never wanted to do on the ship. I always feel like, oh, I, I should be doing so much more. I didn't have time to do it, unfortunately, but you know what? I had a great time doing it. So in all, it was such a great cruise, and I, I just wish I had more time to talk about it. In fact, be sure to check out, of course, I'll put a link on the show notes, the live blog post I did from Navigator this Seas to give you an idea of what I did each single day, and stay tuned to Royal Caribbean blog this week, next week, and in the, the weeks following. We're going to have different reviews going on from my experiences, full detailed reviews. We just posted Sabor Modern Mexican actually yesterday. If, if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, of course, then uh, you can read that. But there'll be other posts about the other specialty restaurants, about some of the excursions we did. There's so much that happened, and I can't believe it was. it's already over, but we had a great time. So my I tip my hat to the crew, to the ship itself, and, of course, to all of you who helped me plan the ship. I got a lot of great feedback from people during the fog delay, during the pre-cruise period where I was planning everything. Even during the cruise, people were recommending, hey – if you're going here, you might want to try this or don't do this or don't do that. Regardless, thank you so much for everybody. Next week's episode, we're actually going to feature a lot of feedback. Actually, you know what? Next week, we'll dedicate it to be listener feedback. I have so many great emails and messages I want to share with you. I don't want to cram it in, so I'm going to give a whole episode to just our listeners because I think it deserves that. You guys gave me some great emails when I was gone and also in the week before that as well. We have a lot of great stuff to talk about, so that'll be next week's show. So once again, thank you for joining us on this show. Hopefully it gives you an idea of what to expect. And of course, if you want to look at the photos that I posted from my cruise or you want to follow along what's going on in Royal Caribbean, of course, we're, there's different ways that you can do that. And of course, send us your feedback and comments. You can email us. We are Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. We are on Twitter. We are at the RCL blog on Twitter. Facebook, we are facebook.com slash royalcaribbeanblog. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.